Uh, so hello everyone, uh, I'm here with um, the, the legend of the community you could say, uh, the, the man that is very popular around these parts at the moment, uh, and then that man is none other than Gus. Uh, nice to see you Gus today. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see that you've got a, um, a community that's around here to support you. Yes, yes, it's uh, very humbling that. that people have uh, taken the time out to come and sit with me. Uh, I feel very uh, humbled and, and kind of just grateful for that. It's a wonderful thing that people are interested in these causes. So it obviously shows there is interest there. You know, and the support from the local community of Northport is just blown me away. It's uh, uh, never-ending streams of uh, drinks and um, basically just knowing that you're supported in this is is the main thing the the material things are one thing but for people to show interest and show the kindness the way about is is really really humbling really humbling and um for, for our listeners that might not know who you are gus where, where's this all all started where did it all begin this... well really i guess it began in 1982 in the falklands um i suppose that's the start of of it um I fought in the Falklands War as a paratrooper and uh, I didn't realise coming back there would be psychological consequences. Um, kind of got on with my life, but over a period of probably 10 or 12 years, uh, I was gradually falling apart, wasn't sleeping at night, always in a state of anxiousness, uh, kind of vigilant, ready to go, waiting for something to happen, um, restlessness, couldn't settle to anything. And uh, throughout that period, there was always the kind of nightmares and what I'd probably call, I don't know, a kind of broken record script of the Falklands in my mind about if only we'd done this, this guy would still be alive. If that hadn't have happened, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And, and then the kind of unquiet moments, I witnessed the bombing of the Galahad and I, I could hear the screams it you know and they were very real to me but nobody else could hear them and uh, you can't function like that for very long before you just fall apart and it took 12 years and um, put me hand up for help came to an organization that was then called the ex-services mental welfare society met second world war vets far east prisoners of war korean vets and realized i wasn't alone and that was massive in itself just to realize that you weren't alone. That later became combat stress and I was a patient of theirs for 15 plus years and uh, they always offered a good kind of therapy to come in for respite and remedial care and, and it worked, it, it kind of addressed some of the issues, kept me on an even keel. I wouldn't say it was a cure, they told me there was, it wasn't a cure but it gave some kind of caring, compassionate structure to my life in this whole process. Um, my last admission was about 2012 didn't hear anything at all from them for three years got a letter saying that this welfare officer was going to come to my house to visit me I wrote back and said why after three years did he want to come never got an answer then one day I had a knock on the door from this welfare officer untrained, non-mental health trained medical officer and um, he, on the doorstep of my house, discharged me. So he's uninvited to my house and discharged me from mental health services. No backup, no follow-up, nothing. 
that was me gone out the door and I phoned around and found this was happening to other people uh, guys deeply traumatized from their uh, service and um, they'd gone through this same process of either being phoned up said you're discharged uh, knocked on your door kicked out discharged come in discharged no discharge care plan no aftercare nothing just go away well that's illegal the nice guidelines clearly state there has to be a process when you discharge people from mental health services we now know that that has led directly to suicides i myself when that welfare officer left uh, he, he, he had no real care uh, in how, on, how that might have left me after he, he left. And, well, I won't go into it, but I sat in my bedroom and it really, even though I'd had no contact with them from years, it was like a punch in the stomach. And I thought, if that would send me over the top, that, that will happen to other people. And uh, I've been in a three-year process of writing letters back and forth to this organisation. I've had lies, double meanings, cheating, deceitful. And I thought the only real answer is if there's a full independent inquiry into this place to get to the bottom of it. So having reached the end, I decided I'll just come and camp outside. I'll go on hunger strike and maybe they'll pay me some attention. I never expected the response we've had. Um, it's, uh, but that's where we are today. I'm still waiting after 17 days of no food, sorry, uh, 14 days of no food, then a three day break to, for food to come back out in the field for a further three days. We're still in a position where there hasn't been any promise. It's all been false promises of an independent uh, inquiry into the way this organization has treated veterans, which we now know we have uh, one, test case where that has directly led to the suicide of a person and uh, I know this because that's the way I felt after this um, welfare officer left so I, I kind of know it's not me imagining it I know because that's how I felt and I mean I, I can only imagine Gus that sort of when that person walks out of the door it's sort of an almost a thought of well what next what, what do I do now, sort of thing? Well, I can, uh, I can tell you what some have, have done, what next. And unfortunately, they may not be around to tell their stories. And the wives and children of those people need answers. Um, the wives and children, who, uh, the wives who cried out for help, the veteran who cried out for help, who is no longer with us, um, their, their widows and spouses and siblings, etc., children, they need answers and it's only fair they do so I'm sitting here not for me not for me I kind of feel I'm okay I've squared myself off where I can manage it I've got other support networks in place which just took a long time to put together but for some people you know they did they did take their lives and I'd believe as a human being a humanitarian issue that their relatives need answers and uh, uh, soft soap in the more half measures is not good enough you know some child is going to grow up without a father a father who cried out for help served his country and now that child is going to live the rest of his life without his father and I as a human being I can't keep quiet on that I just can't it's my duty to humanity to speak up mm -hmm. and, 
And thank God you have, Agos. Thank God you have, because you know that I think it has opened a lot of people's eyes in the community to think, well, actually, you know, if one man's doing this, we should all be doing it. Yeah. And um, it it it's almost the same with mental health. Um, in general, at the moment, you hear it every day in the newspapers that you know yeah. the service isn't good enough. Yeah. And you know we're always being promised yeah. better things, and those better things never come. Yes, I mean that is a good point actually, because um, as a veteran, obviously, I picked up on this as a veterans' issue, and veterans are you know, apparently there's about seven thousand homeless veterans around the country. But let's let's kind of get real here. I mean, I can approach this from a veterans' issue in this respect. But my heart still goes out to those other people who are not veterans who are sleeping in shop doorways, who are, you know, suffering terrible mental health problems. It's not PTSD just doesn't affect veterans. We have, you know, abuse victims. We have, you know, the emergency services, fire, police, ambulance. So although this is kind of, this is a veterans issue and that's what I'm raising or hopefully raising in this process, that doesn't negate the need for other areas of life to, to, to be the same. But I can only fight the one corner, if you like, or, well, not even fighting, I'm just sitting. So I don't really want to fight anybody. I just want to sit and raise awareness, and hopefully that's what's happening. And so far, where you are here in Gus, uh, Gus sorry, in Newport, um, have you had anybody come out of the building to apologise or um, talk to you or...? Yeah, I mean, as, uh, this is a radio program. I'm looking round, and uh, there's a car parked across the entrance to Combat Stress. And I've been here for three weekends, and they shut down services on a Friday, and uh, doesn't open again till Monday morning. Well, I came back in field Thursday. There was a car, so this place had been closed since Thursday. It was closed when I got here. Um, so something is going wrong uh, that there is this uh, 30 bed unit with a double room so there's 60 beds that could house people and give them love and kindness and compassion and care and it's locked up it's it's a travesty um, that this charity has got the money to run a unit like this there are homeless veterans with psychological problems and it's locked up and you know <sighs> On a practical side, there's been many veterans who've said to me, if, why do, you know, if they can't run it, we'll run it for ourselves. And actually, that would probably offer a better solution. I'm not advocating that because I know professional care is a, is a difficult area. But let's get real here. The government can't say we haven't got the facilities because I'm standing in front of one that's empty. So let's start, if, you, if you're really committed this to Tobias Elwood and uh, Gavin Williams, the defence people, then this could be open in an instant. Now, there are combat stress current clients who have joined me on this sit, and there are combat stress um, former clients uh, who have joined me on this sit. Now, the least they could have offered, if you like, is for a nurse to be here, a mental health trained nurse to be here, and come out and say, if there's anybody out here who feels the need to talk, please come in. That seems a humanitarian act to do. But it's almost like I'm being treated as the enemy of them. And we've got ourselves into this absurd position where are the veterans here for their, for them or are they here for the veterans? Well, it's clearly obvious that um, 
they're not here for the veterans because there's nobody here and it's closed. You know, and it's that's it's testament. That's why really I picked this location to sit because an empty building like this, which could be caring for people, is doing nothing at this moment in time. Ludicrous, ludicrous. And um, in terms of sort of, I'm looking around here, Gus, in the street that we are, and there's quite a few schools here um, outside where you're sitting. Have the the schools shown you any support, or have the children been out? And uh, obviously, it's the weekend, um, so the uh, children off home doing doing the weekend stuff but uh, the first week was half term and since then uh, while the children have been back in school there hasn't a day when there hasn't been a constant stream of children coming out and chatting and uh, that in itself has been remarkably humbling and uh, and um, so from that point of view um, this motorbike just going past will let let that go, I think. There you go. Uh, from that point of view, they've asked some wonderful questions, they've understood the situation, and they themselves know there needs to be change, and that's been the support from the children. So thank you from the for all the staff and children of that school. Um, wonderful. And I mean, it's important as well, isn't it, to get the children on board, because they are the future, if you like, and they, they you know, they have a say yes. that is as important as ours right now isn't it you've got it i mean in fact uh, in some ways i'm coming to the winter autumn winter of my life um i've had 30 years of this and i know the effect it's had me uh, my family and people around me that sort of thing uh, we stand on the edge don't we of a precipice of people if it took me 10 12 years to come through which apparently is is the kind of normal time um if you think about the Afghanistan and Iraq veterans, campaigns that went on for 13 years, the majority of them have yet to present themselves. Heaven knows it's bad enough. There's been 58 suicides, I think, this year of veterans, which is appalling. Uh, but if we think about it, um, th th these guys are going to manifest themselves over the next few years. And if there's nothing there for them, then that we will have what is now an epidemic into a pandemic. It's going to be huge. And I can't, as a human being, say, with my 30 years of suffering from this condition, can sit idly back and say, well, I had the chance, but I did nothing. That's, you know, I think there's the, not calling combat stress a tyranny, but there's the old saying, in order for tyranny to thrive, it takes good men to do nothing. I'm not calling them a tyranny, I'm not trying to make an analogy there, but uh, in order to do something, you have to do something. Uh, so we can talk, we can talk, and we can add promises, but to do something. And so look around your own community. What can you do at the moment? It's it's uh, showing me, the community is showing me their kindness, and that is wonderful, very humbly. Um, and um, well, thank you very much today for your time, Gus. It's, you know, um, I admire you as much as anything i've been following you on facebook uh, and just for our listeners that might want to be interested um sort of what is the facebook that they can follow or how can they get involved and well it's quite interesting i mean myself i'm not on facebook so i don't do social media but um apparently a lot of this has got out there by other people so so my intention was just to sit and see what comes up and here we are today um I believe somebody set up a Facebook page called uh, Gus Sales or something or other, so maybe you can go on there, have a look. But also, 
you know, if you know your local MP, um, maybe you can send him a question about this this state of affairs. You could email the um, Tobias Elwood, who's the Veterans Minister. You could email Gavin Williams, who's the Defence Secretary, or the Prime Minister, whoever it is. Um, even royalty, I mean, Prince Harry says he takes a particular interest in the mental welfare of veterans. So maybe, maybe take it to the top. It's entirely what you think to do. I, one thing I do in life is try not to give anybody any advice. People will find their way if the intention is right. And I suppose one thing that, you know, I say there, I guess you say, there's no um, sort of definitive way to get involved, but I suppose one thing that we can take from all this is that if there's something that you're passionate about, then you should just follow it, shouldn't you, as, you know, as hard and as best as you can? Yeah, I mean, I'd say there, uh, speak to your own truth. Um, if you're walking down the road and you hear someone screaming on the other side of the road, there's two things you can do. You can walk on and say, I'm not getting involved, or you can stand back, assess the situation, and do something. You can phone the police, or if you think you were physically strong enough, you could go and kind of intervene. So wisdom really is in the moment, that uh, whatever, when situations arise, if you use wisdom, you can actually, you'll know what to do. You don't have to kind of open the book up and find out what to do, you will know what to do. And like all of us, if you see a child who's about to walk in the road, whether he's your child or not, you'll grab his arm and pull him back. It's that simple. Uh, that's what we do in the moment. And um, so I ask all of you out there, if you feel there's something you can do, uh, my material needs are met. I'm very happy with the situation. I'm getting weaker and weaker as the days go by. But um, please think it through. Use your own wisdom base and, and try and find... A way forward and I mean sometimes even you know even if you walk past a, you know a homeless veteran or in, in, in general just a homeless person you know to give them just a cup of coffee or yeah you know a sit down and a pat on the shoulder is yeah. you know means the world to them well I mean that's interesting because I've always said this not everybody's got money and you know you see a fellow and he says spare some change mate is usually the rhetoric He's, spare change mate now, you can walk past that person, you can think, oh, I'm not giving him more money, he's just a waste, he should get a job. That You can do that. You could also say, well, I'll give him a quid, you know, this, that. You could do that as well. You could also, like you say, fetch him a cup of coffee. That, but I've lived on the streets myself because of this condition. What I would say is just stop and say, how are you today? I'm sorry to see you in these... Uh, circumstances is there anything I can do to help and um, if he is a fraud and he's just kind of turned professional begging into something then you know maybe he'll he'll find himself out by his actions but the mere fact that you stop wishing well taken interest will mean 100% to him he may present himself as a veteran he may may not doesn't matter he's still a human being and to engage at that level of care and compassion is what these people need that would be what I would do anyway and if I feel he needs a few quid and I can spare it I'll do it if I can't I won't but I won't kind of judge him that's the thing I'm not, not going to judge him for his circumstances and sort of so just to finish off Gus sort of posing that question to you so how do you feel today I know the the sun's out it's a bit chilly yeah. but uh, you know how are you in terms of everything well, it's, bit, it's an interesting process. I mean, 
um, I talked to people about hunger strikes before, people who do it. I had a, a call last night from a, a Canadian fella called Fabian, who's a, a, he had a French lilt to his accent, so I don't really know where he what was part of Canada he was listening in. But he's done these hunger strikes in the, his Canadian veteran has done them out there. So he gave me some kind of tips, the rest of it. But from the body point of view, I thought there would be a lot of pain, but there isn't. It's just a gradual fading of energy and I can feel it. And the longer it goes on, the more advanced that is becoming. And this, at first I was quite boisterous. Then there was this propensity to want to sit. And I'm watching that now in a propensity to want to lie down more. So in that respect, I guess it's, they say old soldiers never die, they only fade away. I guess in this case, old soldiers never die, they waste away. Well, let's hope um, we get some answers soon, which I'm sure are coming. Um, and then we can review that and uh, I'll stand down as soon as the question is answered for a full independent inquiry into the... So you get the answers for this radio. Uh, production goes on air for you, Gus. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a big thank you.